Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Thrive After Sports podcast. If you're joining us on Author Spotlight, thank you for joining us there as well. Folks, I'm here with a good friend of mine. I've only known this woman probably less than a year. I already consider her a great friend and an ally on this journey to help not only athletes, but just people live their best lives. Folks, I'm here with Kim Brady. She's a former soccer player at Cal Berkeley. She's a two-time published author. She is a serial entrepreneur. She's a business coach. The list goes on and on. I'm going to let I'm going to let Kim give her a formal introduction, but first of all, Kim, thank you for joining me today. Great to be here with you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to see your face. I can't wait for you to come back home and I can actually hug you in person because I too, I know, I, I literally have known you for a very short period of time, but I feel like you're my friend for sure. Yeah. Hey, we're actually making plans to get back to California within the next five years or so. Texas is great. We might go to another state soon, but I'm coming back to Cali. Cali's home. You know? Okay. So we'll be back. But Kim, I know I gave you a, a brief introduction. We kind of really only scratched the surface of some of the things that you're up to. But uh, for those of the listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you please give them, you know, how do you introduce yourself to people these days? I introduce myself by saying my name is Kim. That's how I introduce <laughs> myself. Um, I, I, my name is Kim and I like people to take that. I, I do that on purpose because we're very well-rounded, complex people, like everybody is. And so first and foremost, I am a business coach currently. Um, I love helping people transition from their career path into entrepreneurship or from their sport into a career path. Um, I am a former family therapist, so I'm highly empathetic. I've worked with children my entire life in some format. Um, I've been a soccer coach. I give back to the game that raised me is what I say. Um, and I just invest in people. I just am a person who is of service to other people. So that's, that's what I love to do. I love seeing people shine. That's the best part about being a business coach is helping them achieve their goals. It's like the, the best feeling in the world, you know? So I love that. Yeah. You know, one of the things you said before we started recording that I really liked was that you want to help people create a lifestyle that they don't want to retire from. Mm -hmm. um, and that really resonated with me because, and I want to dive into your journey a little bit, cause that's going to okay. come full circle to how you got to that place. Yeah. But let's just start after graduating from Cal, like towards the tail end of your career, were you looking at playing professional soccer or what was it like as your career started to wind down? That's, I love that question because I came up in a sport at the time that it wasn't an option to play professionally. Mm. So the intensity and the level at which I competed was all out to try to make the highest level I could. And at the time, so half of the players that were on the original national team for the women's national team were some of my teammates. They were my competitors, people I played against. And so I never considered myself, I, I knew I was a good athlete. I'd never felt that I was an elite athlete because I was competing against the best of the best. And when, when you don't have an option to play professionally and I didn't make the national team, I made the regional team in my area. The highest I went was regionals. And when you know that you're competing for that spot on the national team through the Olympic development programming, you're not, you don't make it right. Um, I knew college was my like summit. Right. And so the other part of that, which I also think is a blessing, is that I knew that I had to have a career after sport, which is something that the younger generations are only chasing their sport because they have options as professionals outside of, of college. They have options now, which I didn't have 
And in that, you can get lost in that identity crisis of only being an athlete. And so I struggled with my athlete identity. When I stopped competing, I was like, who am I? And I had that, you know, 25 years ago when I graduated. And I can't imagine what people are facing now when they're, when they're paid, they're being paid to play and they have an injury or they have to leave and they have to transition, right? So I can really relate to that early retirement you know, because I had to stop playing and I, I actually stopped competing my senior year. I had a conflict with the coach. Nine of us were seniors and we left as seniors. Um, he basically lost like half the team. Um, and it was it, personal decision for each person was different, um, but I still kept my, my full ride. I had a four year scholarship to play um, and I went to every game and then cried when I was home because I knew that I was supporting my teammates but I left my game at the peak of my game, like my best game I ever played. And then my career was done. And that was really hard. That was really hard. And so finding, you know, a path and I left, I moved to Michigan. I was like, I can't be here anymore. I moved to Michigan, went to graduate school. And I became a therapist at a ripe age of 25. I was doing therapy when I was 23 years old. And I think that's also really rare to have your master's degree and to be doing, um, I mean, literally I look like a kid. And the type of work that I did was in people's homes. I've had guns drawn on me. I've dealt with drug paraphernalia. I've had SWAT team arrest me thinking I'm in a drug den. When my, my client comes out, she's screaming. She's like, that's my therapist. Don't arrest my therapist. It was really funny. Um, but not at the time when you have guns drawn on you and you're sitting on a curb with your hands handcuffed behind your back. And then they go, are you seriously a therapist? You look like you're 12. And I'm like, yeah, you can call my dispatch. My client just disclosed that I'm her therapist. This is true. It's a confidential thing. And they literally had to call my agency and go, is this kid a therapist? And they're like, oh yeah, she's very good too. Please don't hurt her. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just, I kind of have a non-traditional path. And I think that that's something I've learned to embrace. So yeah. Yeah, Kim, I want to go back to what you said about the athletic identity. Mm -hmm. And people have heard me talk, you know, endlessly about that on this podcast. But mm -hmm. I think what you said about leaving, you know, not having that senior year or kind of feeling like you left at the top of your game, mm -hmm. I'm sure that really fed into you feeling like there was more for you to do. And that kind of left a hole in terms of the athletic identity, right? I'm sure 100%. that played a part in it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I went after every single thing that I've done with an intensity at which I played that part of me transitions into everything that I do. I am an all or none person. And I think, you know, when you, with some of the things that I talked about in my book of my friend was like, if you don't dive in, you're, you're failing yourself. You're not going to be doing it for you. And he's like, I just think you need to dive into everything that you do. And if you don't, you're not just going to, you're not going to fulfill yourself. Right. And so like, that's where my whole, the get stuck in stuff comes from. And how do you, how do you transition when it, it, the schedule I love the rigidity of our schedules right as college athletes plus I worked so I would go to the gym in the morning and work 5 30 to 8 30 and leave go to class go to the training room go to practice go home eat shower study repeat right and so I I rebuilt that in my career at, in grad school, I had three or four jobs. I was a grad assistant. I was on the speakers bureau for the LGBTQ community. I was a soccer coach back then, got licensed and, and was doing all kinds of things. I was a full-time student. And then, um, then I was doing therapy for about seven years. 
and I got burned out. So it's that all or none get stuck in and then I'm fried. And that's the same thing that we do as an athlete, right? Like we can't sprint all the time. We have to slow down to speed up. And I think I've struggled with that of when do I slow down? How do I recognize when I'm burning out? How do I pull back a little bit and just get in the flow and rhythm of a game again in business or in my professional life, right? So I think that that transition and that athlete identity that we have never leaves us. We, we shouldn't want it to leave us, but how does it propel us forward? And when can we recognize that it, when it's not working for us in that moment, right? And I think, I think there's been many times that I've had to change, change paths, change careers, you know, leave things when things were no longer suited to me. And I've had to reinvent myself so many times that I teach others how to embrace that change now right? Is we know it's coming. We know we're going to hang up our boots some, at some point. We know the uniform is no longer going to fit us at one point, right? We know that our, our two to three, four hours of training a day gets replaced by work, gets replaced by life, right? It gets replaced and we don't have that same intensity that we used to have. And so our bodies change, our mindset about who we are changes. I think that those things are really powerful to pay attention to and to listen to and which ones work and which ones don't. Yeah, most definitely. You know what, Kim, one of the things too that I appreciate about your story is that you're one of those people who, you know, I love people who have actually gone through the thing that they're trying to help other people with. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a time where a lot of people are trying to coach people on things that they just learned yesterday uh-huh. versus what they went through from personal experience. So I want to go back to your story for a second, because you talked about that intensity that we have as athletes and how we Mm -hmm. apply that, but it can lead to burnout if we're applying it to the wrong thing, right? Mm -hmm. So after seven years as a therapist, at which point did you know it was time to make a pivot um, from the burnout? And then how did you decide what your next move was going to be from there? Great question. So one of my best mentors, we all have them, right? Um, When I was an intern, in grad school, my supervisor had hired three or four interns to work in an environment where we were working with severely um, mentally ill kids. Okay. So I've worked with abused and neglected children as a therapist. That's my wheelhouse. That was what I saw. I witnessed a lot. And when we were get, when we were first getting interviewed, she said, and went around the room and said, define success for me. And I was the last person and each person, you know, when you're when rose colored glasses, you're going to be in the helper profession doing social worker therapy. You think you can ch- save every kid, right? You think you can save all the people. And they're like, I know that if this kid is successful based on the work that I've done, pat me on the back, they're going to be, I'm successful. Right. And she got to me and I said, absolutely not. I can give everything I can. And I, and that child could still fail to thrive, right? That child could still get in juvenile hall and not be successful. But does that mean that I failed as a therapist? I don't think so. I think I will know when I'm successful, when I give everything and I can rest my head at night and still go to sleep saying I gave my best. I always had that as an athlete too. I was competitive to myself more than anyone else. It wasn't about other people. It was like, how can I be the best Kim, the best soccer player, the best athlete? And it was the same way as a therapist. Fast forward to seven years of doing this kind of intense work and 
I witnessed, I one of my kids attempted suicide at a high school and the, all of, I had just done an IEP and I had sit, sat down with all of the adults to help this child. And we had a plan of attack if there was other suicidality um, happening, right? And all of the adults failed that kid. They didn't follow the IEP. She was, when they, instead of calling 911, they called me to get to the high school. This is a problem. She's attempting at school in front of students. And I get to the high school and her lips are blue. I had to perform first aid on my own kid that I was doing therapy for. I could no longer function after that. It was awful. I helped her, saved her life, I spent 12 hours that day getting her the, what she needed and getting the 911 and getting all this done. And so it was like, I can't rest my head anymore. I'm exhausted. I can't do this thing anymore. And I quit. I literally just was like, I'm done. I hit my wall. I, I know I did a great job, but I'm done. I can't continue doing this. Packed up my bags, my car, my cat, drove to Colorado. Not kidding. I hated Michigan as far as the weather is concerned. But, um, and I was like, I didn't want to stay there anyway. And I couldn't afford to come back home to California. I was on a therapy salary, right? And so I moved to, moved to Colorado. And how I got into other things was, huh, I have a people degree. I kind of need to learn how to make money. Sales sounds good. So I found a sales position because guess what? Most companies chase after us college athletes. They want our skill sets, but they call them soft skills. It's a big pet peeve of mine. It truly drives me crazy when, when you chase after the talents that we have, the determination, the discipline, the work ethic, the work rate, the teamwork, the resiliency that we go through. And then you call those things soft. Those aren't soft. They are hard to teach and we come at them innately. And so that was what I sold myself to. I sold myself to Enterprise Rent-A-Car because that's who they chase. They chase college athletes, college grads. And I was the first um, management trainee to go straight into car sales executive. I didn't want to do the rental side. So again, I, I do things by the beat of my own drum. I change gears. I switch up and I follow the things that I wanted to do. And I realized that I could that I could make more money and not be bound by the rental side of the business. And so I started selling cars for, for car sales. And I was also one of the only females in Colorado selling cars. So that was a trip and worked there for a few years. And then um, again, an integrity issue. One of my colleagues was stealing and we reported him and they kept him and kept the save face type thing. And he was stealing for me. He was stealing from other people. We had him on video, you know, things like that. And they still kept him. And I was like, this person is stealing thousands of dollars and you're still going to keep them. I can't work here. So I quit. I found another job. Like it's just those things where it's like I got into sales because it's a people skill. I wanted to learn another skill. And then I started working um, as an educational recruiter and a non for non-traditional students and um, for avionics and airframe mechanics, building planes, basically for a technical college that was in that was in Boulder or kind of Broomfield area, Boulder, just north of Denver. Um, and I did that for a little while and then I wanted to make more money because the schedule wasn't really conducive to what I wanted. And so I found another job and was a small business consultant. And that's where I fell in love with the small business side of things was working for a payroll company, a national payroll company. Um, and that pivot. So it was like, I think I have a seven year itch. So I did like the, the therapy for seven years. I did sales for seven years. And I was working in an environment, I'm sure you've had coaches like this. I've had 90% of my coaches are phenomenal, but the 10% that weren't were awful. And I had that experience 
with my boss at my last company. So I had phenomenal bosses for the most part at almost every workplace environment that I've worked in. And this one person, she was the worst micromanager and abusive person I've ever worked for, where she would publicly praise me. And I was in the top 20% of sales for this payroll company. And then call me on the phone at night and swear at me and tell me I'm horrible. Like literally by like, literally just this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality. And I couldn't explain to other people what was happening. Like, no, she loves you. Da, 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 da. And one of my colleagues and I were going to go to the gym and, and I was, and I got a phone call from this person. I was like, I'm going to put this on speaker. You need to hear this. I guarantee you, she's going to rip me apart right now. And she was like, okay. So I put it on and literally the F bombs and just swearing at me, telling me I'm a horrible human being and all this stuff. And my colleague was like, I can't believe how long have you been dealing with this? I go, she's been my boss for two years. So I was staying in this abusive work environment, just like you stay in a horrible relationship with an abuser. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. So I reported it and report. And again, she got, she was allowed to stay. Right. And I was like, I, this is, this is crazy. And when I came home, I, I was like, I need a break. So I flew home here to California, see my oldest nephew and He's had a rough life. My stepsister was an addict. She passed away two years ago and um, he was basically on his own and I didn't want him to continue being on his own. And I've always helped support him and stuff. And he basically was like, Aunt Kim, you're the one that, that has literally done everything you've ever wanted. You've been so driven. You've done all these things and you're miserable. And so I was like, you're not wrong, kid. And I quit my job three weeks later. And that's how I got into entrepreneurship was I just couldn't do that thing anymore. And I think that that's the piece of why I'm able to help others. Like you mentioned, I'm one of the few business coaches that's built a business, right? I see a lot of business coaches out there in our field, in our industry, and they've never built a business. They've only built their consulting business, which still is a business, but they haven't scaled it. They haven't sold it like I did over 10 years. And for me to be able to talk to people about those processes and the stages and the plateaus and how to go through that I can speak to. And it was like, it's the same thing. I can speak to being so sick of what I'm doing that I just quit and trust myself that I'm going to bet on myself that I have the skills that I know I can learn new things. And that I know I have skills that are, they're applicable to other jobs and other careers and trusting myself. And I think that's something as athletes, we get shaken a little bit of who are we when we leave our sport and we don't recognize and honor all of those successes that we've had are totally translatable into other career paths and into entrepreneurship or into, into whatever career path they want. And I, I can speak to that because I've done that a bazillion times. It feels like, like I'm, like eight chapters into my career paths. I've never done anything more than seven years. You know, it's like, okay, cool. I have no idea. You know, that's where it's like, I, I want to live a lifestyle. I don't want to retire from. I want to still be creative and curious. And I still, I still want to meet people like you and see where your journey takes you. Like the, I, that's what fills me up. So it's that helper in me. That's just like, I, I'm not done yet. I've got shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, Kim, the interesting thing about that, there's a lot that I want to say about what you just shared, but I do want to make sure we get back to your journey and, and everything you're doing now. The cool thing about it is that although there was a period of time where you were kind of going from thing to thing, just, mm -hmm. just like I was, just like so many people do when they don't have someone in their corner coaching them or kind of guiding them, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this in my own experience, although I felt like I was going places and leaving and what most people would call a job hopper, mm-hmm. just like you, like you were learning skills that apply to everything you do in business and coaching from like, right. you have to be a therapist, you have to be a salesperson, right? right. Um, all that, a recruiter, even you said you were doing recruiting, like all that applies to being a coach. Right. And so the thing that I love about it, um, and you were really transparent just now, of course, but also in your book, just talking about um, not settling. Like that was the thing that was really cool to me. Like, and so many athletes who are listening to this right now, nothing against enterprise, nothing against mm-hmm. sales roles. Obviously sales is a great foundation for anything you do, right. but so many people get stuck in those abusive relationships. Like you said, not necessarily even just with a boss or a coach, mm-hmm. but just with the role itself. Mm-hmm. That is an abusive relationship where you're waking up every day, doing something you hate and yeah. not doing anything to change it. So what I right. love about your story, Kim, is that you made the move to actually change it and make the pivot and put yourself in position. So all that being said, the question I wanted to ask you, because um, you you built your first business after your your nephew basically put you on the spot, right? Which yep. is cool. Out of I the mouths of babes, know. you got to listen to those kids, man. <laughs> yeah, I love how you, you really like, I mean, you told us now, but in your book, you go even to further detail. Like, I think you guys are like walking on the beach or something, right? Yeah. Um, so he... He calls you out, which is good. He puts you yep. on the spot and yep. you made a move to start walking the walk and going into entrepreneurship. But my question is, and I think this would be good for people listening. How did you know what kind of business you wanted to build? Like, how did that part come about? Yeah, that's something I actually take my clients through this process because I thought, cause, so my nephew, when we had that conversation, he said he wanted to become a chef. And I was missing California and I love the coffee shops at Cal. I have to go back to them. I studied in them, right? And so I was like, I wanna bring a little California vibe to Denver, right? Like I want that feeling of like, I could do build a coffee shop. My nephew could come, we could create a menu. We could do stuff, we could work together. You know, he could come live with me. I own my home at the time and I had a, a two bedroom, two bath. And so I could give him a bedroom and give him his own bathroom and, you know, just basically help launch him, help raise him because his parents really never gave him those tools. And so I took on that responsibility as Aunt Kim. And basically I thought I wanted to, to own a coffee shop, right? I was just like, had this go all in thing, right? And I had already had relationships with my financial advisor and I already had relationships with other people. And so I started talking and interviewing people who are coffee shop owners. And I talked with people about how they built their bar and how did they do this and this. And so I was totally going at it and was like, Jonathan, come live with me. You can move in, blah, 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 blah. We can do this whole thing. And then I go to my financial advisor. I had a little bit of money saved, not a lot. And she goes, I'm not letting you make this decision. You don't understand what it takes to do a brick and mortar. You're going to be married to it. It's not who you are. You don't want to bring California to Denver. You want to move home. And that's when I talk about the best no I've ever received was no, Kim, you are not doing that. And listening to the advisor. This is something that is is crucial to if you are hiring people to advise you, like truly advise you, a financial advisor, right? And she understood me well enough to say no. And she's like, I really want you to slow down. I want you to really think about what you want to do. And for the first time in my life, I didn't have a job. Since I was 14, I've been working, always busy, always doing something. Athletes are notorious for doing this. We fill up our day, hour after hour time blocks, right? 
And I was still doing this as an employee. Every moment of my day was still filled. I couldn't be bored, right? I And so I slowed down and I keep my house clean. I always have. That was the chores that I had to do at home. And as you can see, you're in my kitchen and it's clean. And, you know, like I, I, I clean the house and I organize and I started organizing friends closets and was just like, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. I need to stay busy, blah, 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 blah. And so I sat down and I was like, I need to come up with what are the top five things that I need if I'm going to build my own thing? What are the things I have to have in order to create the lifestyle I want? Not the job, the lifestyle. You have to design your life. It's your choice. It's not the job deciding your life. It's not the salary you obtain. It's what lifestyle do I want? And so I took the time and I sat down and I took a good old pen and paper because I'm still old school and I still have notepads everywhere. And I just started writing. What are the things that I find myself doing? What are the threads, the common threads among all of the jobs I've held? What are the things that I'm constantly searching for? One, number one is I'm a, I'm a helper. Absolutely 100% a servant leader because I was a therapist. I was a teacher. I was a soccer coach. Always, always, always helping. So number one rose to the top was I must help others. I must serve others. Another one was I wanted to create jobs for others. I knew I wanted to create a business that I could provide jobs to others. And part of that was if I, so as we know, we are all athletes, injuries occur, right? So I asked myself the question, how can I still have my money work harder than I do if I can't work? If I can't work, how do I obtain money? If I have something, right? So it was like, well, if I hire employees, I could duplicate myself. And I, if I could step out of whatever I'm doing, employees could still work and I could still get paid. I was single and not dating anybody at the time. So it was like, I needed to create multiple income streams. I talk to my clients about this constantly. You have to have multiple income streams, especially this day and age. And so that was another one that rose to the top. Another one, I hated wearing business suits. Absolutely hate the corporate picturesque, perfect person. I wanted tattoos and all this stuff. And I was told I couldn't wear, you know, wear certain things. I can't stand that. I mean, the fact that it's so archaic and you as a black man know this, there's certain things. I mean, people who of color are being told they can't wear their hair in a particular way as an athlete. It's asinine. And we're doing this and replicating it in corporate America. And I can't stand it. So that was a big one for me was how do I have a job that I don't ever have to wear the stupid business suit? I wanted to burn it. I hated it. And I was watching <laughs> cars at enterprise in a suit. I mean, come on, man. You know, like the things that we do that say these are professional, that's not professional to me. I couldn't care less. I think it's stupid ruining your suit, be washing a car, you know, like it's just dumb. So I, I, that was one of my things was like, I don't want to wear a damn business suit, right? I wanted to create my own schedule. I wanted the freedom of doing certain things. And that process of slowing down and writing the top five things that I needed, that's how I learned that I could do this cleaning company gig because I called a friend who had a cleaning company and was just like, hey, I've got to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Can I like, work, do you want an employee? And I, this is what I'm doing right now. And she goes, no, I don't want an employee. You have the personality to run your own business. I'll tell you how I did mine. And she doesn't have employees, right? So then I found another person who did. And I started interviewing employees. 
See this pattern? I interview other people to determine what I wanted to do or not do. And I think that's a skill too, is ask for help. Ask people what they like about their career paths. Ask them what they did to do what you're wanting to do and ask them if they'll mentor you. And so that's what I did. And she goes, I sat down with her in a coffee shop and said, well, I want to build my business and I, I want to provide jobs to people. So I'm going to do that. So that's how I got into the cleaning idea. And then over time, I niched down and figured out what my profile was, right? That's how I came to be the most highly educated toilet bowl cleaner you're ever going to meet. <laughs> Kim, there are so many things I love about what you just shared. Like the clarity that came from, and here's what I love about it. Not only did you just go old school, like you said, like it's not, it's really not old. I got my pen and paper right here. Right? I always got a pen and paper. <laughs> but I, have I love them your everywhere. <laughs> you have to, it's necessary. Yeah. But I just love what you said about how before you sat down to make that list, to mm -hmm. find that clarity, your approach was how do I want to live versus what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And that approach, that mindset changes everything. Yeah. Because so many people, we're almost taught, like you said, we're almost taught to think about what do you want to do? What's going to be on your business card versus how mm -hmm. do I want to live and having the what you're doing fall under the umbrella of what or how do I want to live and what yeah. you do falls under that. So good. I think if people just follow that advice alone, people who are in transition or trying to figure out their next move, that mm -hmm. can make a world of difference. Um, so that led you to starting, building, growing, scaling selling eventually the cleaning business. And I love how you detailed every step of the way from hiring employees to um, in the book, you talked about even things like payroll and just how do you yeah. make that work? It's like a, a masterclass on, on business, just mm -hmm. the book itself. Now, after you sell it. That was the goal, truly, was I wanted people to be able, like if they couldn't hire me for my services, they have something tangible in their hands that says, this is how she did it. It's not, I, I, I don't just talk about, things in an esoteric way like this is what i did here's the tools go do this mm -hmm. and you can find a way to build your own thing like that's the point of the book for sure matter of fact we're gonna take a quick time out folks go grab the book if you haven't grabbed it already get stuck in i got my copy right here the subtitle is lessons from the pitch to build your business so this is a business uh master class this is not only just you know kim's journey look at this picture on the back look how good kim looks right there boom <laughs> look at that you gotta go grab it and also kim uh if you're watching this on video kim has the book behind her but she, she's also a co-author in forever athlete so kim before we we're going to talk about your social media at the end there we go but right. if people want to grab those books from you let's just take a quick pause where can people check you out and go grab these books right now so they can hear more about kim brady business coaching.com kim brady business click on the Simple book and, tab You'll get a signed copy from me. I'll send you, I'll send signed copies to you. There we go. So go check that out. Support Kim, support self-published authors. Make sure you yes. get that signed copy. Check the yes. show notes. All Kim's information will be in there. We'll bring oh, it back. I have as yours too, sir. Oh, there it is. Okay. I yep. appreciate the love. Yep. Hey, we got to yeah. support each other. You Lots know? of nuggets in there too. And shocking. You have people do homework too. You have people sit down and write things out. I love it. I love it. It's necessary. Matter of fact, since you brought that up, We'll get back to um, after you sold the business and what happened next. But since you brought that up, how important is it for the clients that you work with, right, as a coach? Mm -hmm. How important is it for the clients you work with to be able to be willing to show up and do the work themselves in addition to your coaching? Can you just talk about that dynamic and how important that is? If you're not going to bet on yourself, no one else will. 
you have to believe 100% in what you're doing for yourself. We spend so much time in work or in jobs, pleasing bosses, pleasing people, chasing after someone else's dream all the time. We do this all the time. We're human beings, right? We chase after that. Well, I want this because I want that car, or I'm going to go into that job because it's prestigious, or I want to go do A, B, and C. If you don't bet on yourself, because here's what was funny. People were super stoked about my coffee shop idea, but they weren't super stoked about the cleaning company because they couldn't envision themselves cleaning someone else's toilet, right? And this is the whole thing. You treat your janitor the same way you treat the CEO. I happen to be both and I'm very proud of it because you have to be willing to do the work when it's hard. Because I ask my clients this, when the shit hits the fan, are you still going to do it? That it, that thing that you want to do. When things get hard, are you going to quit? And that's the same mentality of the athlete, right? Like I love the game of soccer. I loved being a student of the game. Why not be a student of business? What I love the most, I've been a business owner and entrepreneur longer than any other career path I've ever had. And almost as long as, as soccer, right? Like by the time I'm done, I will finally have surpassed the one thing that I did for 40 years, which is soccer, right? And that's why I say I want to live a lifestyle I don't want to retire from. I want to create and, and think about what is important to me and my loved ones and how do I want to design the life that I want. And the job will come, the ideals will come if you can identify who you are at your core, your core values, your moral code, your belief in, in whatever that thing is. And I recognized and I talked about this in my book, what I was craving was team again. So I built my own team with my company. I love soccer as the ultimate team sport. And when I left, I was chasing that feeling of like, I, I had friends in, in sales companies and stuff. I, I have good relationships with people, but I was missing the team. And so I created mine. <laughs> you know, it was like, I think that's really important is like, what is it that you love so much about your sport that's translatable off the off the field or out of the pool or, or whether you're an individual athlete or whether you're a, a team athlete it doesn't matter what is it that you're chasing the most and for me I wanted to be a part of a team and so I created that with my business and I think understanding who you are at your core is is really powerful to process and sometimes that's where the whole slow down to speed up slow down and look yourself in the mirror and say who am I and what am I missing where did she go where did he go you know, like, where's that little boy in you that loved being on the football field, right? Where, where was that little boy and being able to go, this is what I loved, right? I loved being in a physical contact sport. I wanted to hit people. I hated running track because what's the point of running and chasing after somebody unless I'm going to hit them. I literally <laughs> love that part of soccer, right? I absolutely love the physicality of it. And so it was like, how do I create a high touch, high contact team environment with my employees and with my clients. And so I created a company that really was this, this high-end cleaning company. And some of my friends couldn't, they thought I was just doing it because I was broke or something. And I was like, I'm building a company, you know, like I, I like, you're going to have the naysayers. You're going to have people tell you, you can't do it. You're going to have people who have good intentions, 
They're worried about you because they've read the statistics that most businesses fail in their first five years, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, and that's not me because I refuse to quit on me. And I think that just goes full circle of if you go, if you're a high level athlete, you just don't quit. And that's the same thing if you're going to go into entrepreneurship or you're going to go into building something for yourself. Don't quit. Just don't quit. Just, I mean, you know, take a step forward, take a step back, learn how to cha-cha and keep going. Like you just have to believe in yourself and surround yourself with people who don't drag you down. Crabs in the bucket is a real deal. If you are hanging out with people who literally have no ambition anymore, who are sitting there not doing anything and have zero dreams, you need to move them. And you talk about that a lot in your book too, is, is I don't want to be around people who are not ambitious. Just, I can't handle it. I don't hang out with B average people. I hang out with high level people. People who are smarter than me. People who are faster than me. People are bigger than me. People have done it longer than me, you know? And I don't care how old someone is. I know a lot of younger people who've been doing certain things longer than I have. And I like tap into that brain. It doesn't matter what age someone is, doesn't matter, but surround yourself with people who make you better. That's what we do as athletes too, you know? So it's all replicatable. Everything you do as an athlete is replicatable in business, everything. I just didn't know that until I did it myself. (laughs) One of the things about that though, I love everything you just shared, but one of the things I really loved is how you said, you know, you just didn't quit. And as cliche as it sounds, you know, people may say it all the time, but really the only way to fail is to not quit. Right. And even when you brought up the business statistics of what is it, what, 85%, something, something crazy, some stupid yeah, it's, high it's like, number. It, it's like the 20% of all businesses fail in their first year, but by year five, almost all of those businesses that started five years prior, it's like 80% don't make it to their fifth year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing about it is like, even if those businesses fail, what they don't tell you is that now you, you, you were determined that your business wasn't going to fail. But even if someone starts a business and it does fail, what they don't tell you is that they can go on and start another business and that business could be successful just because they didn't quit. Right. So I love that you, especially for, for athletes to hear that, which is the majority of people who tune into this show. I think that's really important to hear. Well, and there's um, two things. Let go of what doesn't serve you anymore. So let go, go of old ideas. Let go of friends who treat you like crap or who aren't going anywhere, right? Let go of certain things, but don't quit on your purpose. Because I think we as athletes, we struggle with when to leave something that doesn't serve us anymore. It's why some of the athletes are, you know, failing them. They're failing themselves because they feel they have to live this perfectionistic thing about being that athlete, right? That, oh, well, if I step away, I'm not enjoying my sport anymore. If I step away, I'm failing myself. No, things happen. At some point, you're going to shift and can no longer do that thing. So those fundamental beliefs of it's okay to let go of something as long as I don't lose myself in the process. You're not quitting on yourself. You're letting go of something else to make yourself better. I think that's really important of how we talk to ourselves and how do we affirm the things that we're wanting to do and not having that negative self-talk that says, I failed. We failed every day. The more you fail, the better you're going to get. Make the mistakes, screw up, get back up and keep going. Doesn't mean you're not going to. The business is hard. Sport is hard. Sport at a high level is harder, right? So the better you become, the more fine-tuned you get, the better business owner you'll be or the better employee you'll be. So it's just a matter of, you know, what do I want to do and what do I want to learn? That's why I constantly, you know, like you talked about being a job hopper. I love that. 
there's the, the the whole concept of working at a company 30 years for 30 years and working your way up is such a, an, a weird thing it doesn't happen anymore and so why not create your own path mm-hmm. yeah I'll, now we talked about the book a little bit Kim but I want to bring it back to what had you even decide to start becoming a business coach anyway and I say that because you already built scaled and mm-hmm. sold a business you could have been chilling like hey I'm good I got a business that <laughs> I got a money machine. You could have kicked your feet up, but you decided that you wanted to help others do what you did. So what was that decision like? And how did you actually get started as a business coach? So I was always helping my friends who were small business owners. So I was in different networking groups and doing things and wanting to support other people. And, and a lot of my colleagues and people, cause I was in business meetings and business groups. Right. And a lot of people would ask me, they would, they're like, I've never met someone who built their own business by themselves with no outside resources or capital. How did you do that? Um, and so people just started asking me even when I was building my other business. Right. And so my friends, when the whole pandemic hit long story about that, right. But when the pandemic hit, I sold, I signed on the closing of my business on March 15th, 2020 and March 17th, 2020, California shut down complete with, with a pandemic. So there was out of necessity, I couldn't just sit in my 800 square foot box. I needed to connect with people. That's absolutely crucial for human beings to not be socially isolated. And I was already doing my business absentee from California for three years, which was another reason why I was actually exiting out of having my business because I didn't just want to sit inside my box. Ironic, huh? (laughs) And so I, it was a nine month arduous process to sell my company is the most difficult process. If you buy a house or sell a house, multiply that times a hundred. And that's what it feels like to sell a business. It's, it's, it's intense. And um, so when I sold it, I was twiddling my thumbs. I went from a hundred miles an hour to zero, no interaction. The gyms are closed. The pools are closed. They closed the beaches. You know, I literally was so isolated. I was, I was felt like I was going crazy and I want to touch on that because the, the, the mental health piece of keeping your shit together, you're not going to do it. And people need to understand that it's okay to go through depression and anxiety at a time that there is no book written for this thing called a pandemic. We don't know what this experience was going to be like. We didn't know how long it was going to last, right? And so over the course of the past few years, my friends are like, your skill sets are crazy. You're like this trifecta of a therapist, a soccer coach, and sales, and you built a business. Why are you not doing business coaching? And I was like, never thought about it. And they're like, you've been doing it. You just need to get paid. I'm like, oh, so it was like this aha moment. I was like, I spent all this time trying to, it was so focused on selling my company. I couldn't even look up to, to figure out what I was going to do. So the reiteration, and ironically, you, when you and I originally spoke, you're like, have you written a book? Why have you not written a book? You know? And I was like, you're not the only one who's told me to write a book. Right. And so <laughs> at the same time of like, this whole thing, my friends, I literally had a bunch of friends that are like, I love your writing. Why are you not writing? You need to write, you need to write a book, hint, 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 hint. And so they're like, figure this out, Kim, you need to wrap all that stuff that's in your head and put it down on paper and teach people how to build a business. Cause you're one of the only people I know that's done it. And what I found is most of the people that I know have not sold a business. And I just, I don't know if you saw my post, I found the statistics of how crazy 
it is only 17% of entrepreneurs sell their business. That's all. And then realizing the fact that I'm a lesbian and how small that percentage is of lesbian owned companies, because LGBTQ businesses, over 67% of them are owned by gay men. So it literally is like, I, I feel like my friend calls me the lesbian unicorn. He's like, I just have, I don't know anybody who's done what you've done. You're like the only one that I know who's done that. You, you, you did your own capital, your own money, never took a seed of money from anyone. And I teach people how to do that. You don't have to have money in front of you to be able to create a business. And so that's where it all came about was just out of necessity. And that, again, I'm a servant leader. I like teaching. I love training others to do their own thing. I, I love seeing kids succeed in sport. I love seeing employees succeed in their goals. I love teaching and training other people to add to their skill sets. Why not do this as a business and life coach, right? Because I speak from the heart and I, I can fake my life if I tried, like what you see is what you get. Most of the time I'm in soccer sweats, my hair's in a ponytail. You got my hair down today, Taj, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I just, I just don't know any other way to be like what you see is what you get. And I think that's that being as authentic to your core as you need to be for yourself. We all deserve to give ourselves that chance. Right. And that's where it all came about. So I've been now, yeah, I wrote the book in three months <laughs> and then impressive. you asked me to do, you, you introduced me to Corey for the forever athlete. So uh, that was, that was a trip. Um, being able to, to like go from one chapter in my book a week, or I was writing two chapters a week and then add the third one to do the third chapter in a week. That was a lot of writing that week, a little brain, brain melt having to do that. Um, but then, yeah. And so doing the business coaching and writing and publishing two books in six months. Um, yeah, pretty, I don't know. I kind of get stuck in. That's where the name of the, that's where it all comes from. Soccer. It's a soccer phrase. I've never seen it before, Kim. I mean, I haven't been in the, in the publishing industry for that long, but in the couple of years I have, I've never seen two books come together. You know, people have started working on two books, but to have them completed in six months, uh, you set a record, another record, another unicorn. You're a publishing unicorn now too, so check that out. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. I, I, I loved the writing process of my book. I hired a book coach, people. I wrote every word of my book, Every single thing, it was not ghostwritten, but I hired someone who is a 25 year journalist who gave, who interviewed me every week and interviewed me about the chapter outline. And then I would go write it and send it back to him. And then he would interview me for the next one. So I had a coach who guided me along what the process of writing a book could be. And he actually called me earlier today and he goes, you know, you have two more books in there, dude. He goes, you have two more books inside <laughs> you at least. And I was like, okay, well, I need to, I need to sell a thousand books to recoup my investment. So some people start buying some books for me. Right. You know? So it's, I'm like, I'm not ready to write another one, but yeah, I'll get there. I'm sure I'll write one. He wants me to write one on, on what it was like to come out 30 years ago and the process of who I am and how I've done that. And another one, he wants me to write my soccer journey. And I don't know if I'm ready to do that either one yet. Yeah. You know, that's with your soccer journey. I think coming out, obviously that would touch a lot of lives, but mm -hmm. your soccer journey, you didn't, you touched on it in the book, but the book is really more so like your business journey. So that is actually a good idea to just detail 
more of that, especially with what you said about what happened with the coaches and how a lot of your teammates left and all that type of stuff. That might be a great idea. Um, Kim, I hate that we're up on time, yep. but with the time that we have left, we'll have to have you back on. Maybe when you, when you write that third or fourth book, we can do a follow-up <laughs> episode. But with the time that we have left, number one, um, I just want to say thank you for coming on and spending some time today. Thank and you. thank it's you nice for all the you. work. I know. We, I, I don't think we've been on uh, a video call before until today. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe we one did, or two. We did at one point when we were publishing. We talked for That's a right. Time. That's right. But yeah, just so I can get my acknowledgements in before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for the work that you do in the world. Thank you for you are who you are as a human being. So glad we connected. And it's really just the beginning of everything that we're going to build and create together. Um, and please, one more time, I know we talked about it earlier, but just tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to work with you as a coach, um, if they want to get the books, follow you on social media, all of that, please. Absolutely. For anybody who's listening, I provide free initial consultations. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to to me or to a coach. If you have an interest and want to learn about it, I will talk to you for free to get you started. I am KimBradyBusinessCoaching.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram as CoachKB15. So best way to find me is just reach out. Kim at KimBradyBusinessCoaching.com. Um, we can get on my calendar. We can sit down and we can really hash out if I am the right fit for being your coach. I'd love to. Awesome. Well, Kim, thank you again. Everybody who tuned into the podcast, make sure you check the show notes. Go follow Kim. Show her some love. Grab the book. If you need some coaching, hit her up. Put some time on her schedule. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again, Kim. Thanks, Tosh. Have a good one. You too.